welcome to the first hall. My name is Katie Meyer and I serve as the Director of Content Creation here at APHA. Imagine a world where a simple cheek swab can inform which medication a patient is most likely to respond to or most likely to have an adverse reaction from. We are living in this world and I'm excited to review an example with you today. Pharmacogenomics incorporates the simultaneous impact of genetic mutations that may determine a patient's response to drug therapy. Earlier this year, the results of a very large multi-center controlled open-label crossover implementation study conducted in seven European countries was published. The prepared study was conducted in a total of 6,944 patients aged 18 years or older. Patients were assigned to receive genotype-guided drug treatment or standard of care. Those receiving genotype-guided drug treatment were genotyped for 50 germline variants and 12 genes, and if they had an actionable variant, were treated according to the Dutch Pharmacogenetics Working Group recommendations. A clinically relevant adverse drug reaction occurred in 21% of patients in the intervention group and 27% of patients in the control group, and this was found to be statistically significant with a p-value of 0.0075. Researchers concluded that using a 12-gene pharmacogenetic panel and guideline-directed therapy significantly reduced the incidence of clinically relevant adverse drug reactions. This is just one recent example of how pharmacogenetics can inform safe medication use, and the evidence within this landscape is truly evolving at a rapid pace. When a pharmacogenetic test is conducted in a patient, a patient's genotype is provided, which is then translated into their phenotype, or outward observable expression of the gene. Phenotypes are typically classified into five different categories, which include poor metabolizer, intermediate metabolizer, normal metabolizer, rapid metabolizer, and ultra-rapid metabolizer. A poor metabolizer lacks fully functional enzymes and is expected to have reduced metabolism of drugs through that pathway compared to the general population. Therefore, in most cases would be at increased risk for adverse effects. At the end of the spectrum is that ultra-rapid metabolizer. Ultra-rapid metabolizers may be more likely to have a reduced response as drug concentrations will be lower overall, so dose escalation and even an alternative drug might be required. Complicating things further, a patient's drug regimen can convert a, pa a patient's genotypic expression into another phenotype. Someone with normal metabolic capacity could become a poor metabolizer when an inhibitor of a CYP450 enzyme is on board. This concept is called phenoconversion and important to consider when looking at the overall picture. The Clinical Pharmacogenetics Implementation Consortium, or CPIC, is an international consortium of individuals dedicated to facilitating the use of pharmacogenomics in patient care. CPIC has published clinical practice guidelines about various clinically actual drug gene relationships, most related to variants that impact the cytochrome P450 system. I thought we could talk about just one SSRI today to illustrate how pharmacogenetic test results could help inform a patient's response to a medication. Sertraline, one of the most commonly prescribed SSRIs, has multiple CYP450 enzymes involved in its metabolism. However, CYP2C19 and CYP2B6 are considered primary. The CPIC guidelines provide recommendations for patients who have pharmacogenetic results available for both CYP2C19 and CYP2B6, but also those who have either CYP2C19 or CYP2B6 results available. Let's start with CYP2C19 and look at both ends of that phenotypic spectrum. For patients who are CYP2C19 for metabolizers, so that greatly reduced metabolism compared to normal metabolizers, CPIC recommends a lower starting dose, slower titration, and 50% reduction of maintenance dose compared to 
a dose that would be given to a normal metabolizer. On the converse, for ultra-rapid metabolizers, ZPIC recommends initiating therapy with the recommended starting dose. And looking at CYP2B6, ZPIC has the same recommendation for CYP2B6 ultra-rapid metabolizers, and with CYP2B6 poor metabolizers, recommend a lower starting dose, slower titration schedule, but just a 25% reduction in the standard maintenance dose. CYP2C19 contributes more to sertraline's metabolism than CYP2B6, so these recommendations logically make sense. But what happens when we combine the results and look at both pathways? Let's again look at both ends of the spectrum. And I would encourage you to pull up the guidelines and review table five within if you're interested in all of the combinations of possibilities in between. For patients who are both CYP2C19 and CYP2B6 ultra-rapid metabolizers, remember we expect to see reduced concentrations of a drug compared to normal metabolizers. CPIC recommends initiating therapy at the recommended starting dose, but notes that if a patient does not respond, titrating to a higher maintenance dose or switching to a clinically appropriate antidepressant not metabolized by CYP2C19 or CYP2B6 may be necessary. For those who are both CYP2C19 and CYP2B6 poor metabolizers, CPIC actually recommends an alternate antidepressant not primarily metabolized by CYP2C19 or CYP2B6. These patients will have higher concentrations of active drug and therefore will be at increased risk for experiencing adverse drug reactions. You can see with just this one example how pharmacogenetics can help us tailor medication selection based on a patient's genetic makeup to improve the chances of effectiveness and reduce the patient's risk of adverse drug reactions. Well, that's it for today. We do have a full Pharmacy Today continuing education article about the use of pharmacogenomics in mental health. Check it out in the learning library if you'd like to learn more.